Well, I hope you had a great break. Thanks for, uh, thanks for being a part. Those of you over the summer, we had lots of great series, lots of stuff going on, excited about where we're going. Want to take time today as we jump into a bit of a visional day or discussion around where we are going. I had the privilege over the summer of speaking at one of our church camps. And it's an older crowd, say old. Like, I mean like over 100, okay? Just some of you are really sensitive about that. No, like over 100, like older, older. And, and then a whole core of younger kids, grandkids. So it was kind of a real interesting mix. And I really enjoyed that. Westside's never participated. So it was kind of a big deal for us to do that. And then of course, my last week of my holidays, I actually went and just attended and enjoyed uh, another speaker. And it was interesting because they were speaking and they kind of stepped away from the typical message they would do. And because they're an older uh, speaker, older minister, I thought, you know, good for you. You've probably had lots of messages. You've done it, a, uh, you know, many times, the same old message. And, and it was a really good message. I thought, you know what? I am going to send an email and just tell him how great a job he did. So while he was closing in prayer, I jumped on my phone, because you can do that. I jumped on my phone and I sent him while I was remembering a really good email. Thank you for being brave. Great job. Way to engage the people. Way to step out from your notes. So impressed. Way to go. Then I went to the coffee pot to grab a coffee on the way out and he was there. So, and of course I know him. He's been around for years. So we had a beautiful conversation for 10 minutes. And again, I thanked him for the good work that he did. And then when I got back home, I read the email. Thank you for your encouragement. Too bad we didn't get a chance to speak to each other today. <laughs> God is a way of humbling us, thinking he might have known who I was. But I gave him the encouragement anyways. Retro, looking back, old things to new. Now, when we, we jump into this series next week, it's going to be excited. So I'm talking a little bit old, but I'm talking about her birthday. We are 25 years old, kind of young adultish, moving into, yeah, yeah. And there's a few, few here from the early days, and you're now five years older. And that's great because, you know, we don't want to talk about old age. That would be not a good thing at all. But when we think about retro, man, I was working on my message, and I started thinking retro, and then I got into retro music, and I, a couple slides popped up of just good, old, great music. Now, I got a little bit for everybody. I thought, you know, some of you Sinatra fans. And, you know, I've had a little bit, been watching a bit of Suits with my wife, trying to be a good husband, enjoying a great series. And I think that if Harvey Specter can have albums and a turntable in his office, I want one too. Come on, classic, good, old-fashioned, 80s Christian rock. Okay, five of you know about that. The rest of you are liking Bob Seger. I love it. As we talk about the journey, our text today, we're talking from Corinthians, which says it this way. It says, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put away the ways of childhood behind me. For now, we see only as a reflection in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part and then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. But now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is, you got it. Follow the way of love and eagerly, say the word eagerly, eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. In uh, 
in carving through our time to be together today, I was doing a lot of work, which I've been doing for a while on church data, trying to navigate some of the thoughts that are out there of the whole church, uh, where churches are going, some of the challenges churches are facing. And of course, there's m so much information on that to, to try to sort through. But it was interesting and actually a little bit shocking when we look at some of the challenges that are ahead of us. And so today, visually, I want us to, I want you to understand what I'm facing, what I'm wrestling, where I'm going, what I'm thinking through, and the challenge that we're in. And it's quite unique because it's, it's very different than our history. Sometimes when you celebrate your anniversaries in a church, you say, hey, this worked, this was great, and we're now going to do this instead, or we're going to make, but, but we are at a very unique place in church history in Canadian church, and certainly in our own church. It's interesting that as I was going through the data, I, I embarrass, in a bit of an embarrassment, ran across a couple of articles of some challenge with some families in church leadership. I want to show you this, this picture on the slide. I know this doesn't fit for Vision Sunday, kicking back after your holidays, but it was fascinating that these three top leaders all took their lives within the last 14 months of leading significant churches in North America. The gentleman in the top, I watched his very last video. It was quite moving, quite overwhelming. As in the video, him and his wife smiling and introducing Sunday morning to the church. The church is 7,000 people in California. And uh, after he was teaching a series on mental illness, he separated himself from the family and then he took his life. All three of them gone. Prime of their career, great churches, great leadership, certainly wrestling great things. And it hit me again. We're in a, we're in a different time. This, is, this, this isn't where we're wrestling pastors that take career changes halfway through their career or, or Bible college attendance being down. There is something in what is going on that is deeply challenging to the work that we are doing as spiritual and as church leaders. I think often our cultural challenges that we face. There's things that we just have to do to organize and to run a church in today's world. There's different government restrictions that we never had before. There are hurdles that we have to move around. There's topics that we can't ignore. And all of that weighs heavy. Building teams and, and, and what that looks like and the challenge of, of different generational values and the understanding of the word calling. When I grew up, it was a calling. You, you felt called into something and, and that word has changed. That value structure has changed for a lot of our young leaders. They have multiple callings. They're in one calling for a while, move to another calling. But either way, it brings about challenges. I, I, I kind of look at it this way. I think as leaders in today's world, we have, to, we, have, we have to smile every Sunday like we're a Walmart greeter on speed. I don't know if some of you get this, but we have bad weeks too. But we just crank it up on Sunday and we just say, well, here we are. We've got to suck it up and we've had challenges. Our kids don't listen all the time and we're in marriage. We're trying to sort life out too. And we have things that don't work well. We run races. Some of us don't. We're all trying to do lots of stuff, but we got to keep smiling. Feel like we're like a Walmart greeter on 
speed. We have to have the wisdom of Solomon in our planning of how we do church. We have to have the philosophy of Socrates to understand the wisdom around us. And you know, a little bit of Steve Jobs to run our tech booth, our sound, our lighting, our media page, and all of the stuff that we do would really be helpful. It's a lot of work today, but things are changing. God has encouraged us and he says, be of good cheer. There are challenges in the world. There are challenges in leading organizations moving forward. But I've overcome that and I can help you as you move forward. I want to leave with us today three parts that are not going away. This is not a message where it's good knowledge to learn and you can check the box and say, got it, and now I'm moving on to the next. These are three things that are just not going away. The three, the three parts of future church that is a must, and it's all gonna be new for us. Some parts we may kind of understand, other parts we don't have any idea of all, at all, but we are gonna learn this together. We're gonna to learn. This is gonna be where we are directing our focus and how we're gonna be moving into this, we will be learning as we go. The first one is the idea called liminal space. Liminal space. Paul says it so well as he says, I can only see dimly because I have not yet arrived. I do not see it all in front of me. So many of you this summer, as you headed out into your family trips, don't you love it when the car starts, everybody's got their water bottles, you've got an idea of how it's going to come together in maybe nine minutes, usually somewhere when you hit the highway, one or two of the children start. How long's it going to be? And then comes the famous, when are we going to get there? When are we going to get there? And I was thinking, that's truly us in the church. We, we talk about things, we wrestle things, but we really like to know the duration of time or what it looks like on the journey. Now, listen, that's a lot of fun. You gotta, gotta know where your coffee breaks are. You know if there's some little shopping on the way or you know where you like to eat. But the bottom line is, we don't know when it comes to the church. I don't know about your kids, but, but my son, who's now a little bit older, this year he had a great line at the beginning of the summer when we unpacked that we were kind of doing a staycation. We're not going anywhere. And he said, what kind of parents wouldn't take a kid to the ocean? <laughs> oh, I wanted to take him to the ocean, all right. <laughs> they get older, they get smarter, the questions get harder. We have to start as the church to become more comfortable in being uncomfortable. Normally, you get up here and you throw a couple photos up and some cool factor and some awesome uh, pictures and some directional thoughts. And we go, okay, now we know. Now we know. And then we sign up. Okay, I'm in. Okay, Bobby, I got it. I want to be a part of that. That makes a lot of sense to us. That's where we want to go. But the challenge for us is that that's culture. Our culture likes to present everything. They knock on the door, they tell you how great their job's gonna be, they can clean your windows, they can aerate your yard, and once they get you sold, you're in. But we don't know, because culture's shifting and church is trying to catch up. And we don't know, as we enter into this liminal space, what it's going to look like. 
And we have to be okay because this place of liminal space is where our faith actually grows. Because we are building it on something that is not tangible for us, something we can't grab hold of. We know that change is imminent. We know that change has to take place. We know that the future is going to be different. And we can't just copy, cut, and paste what we did before, what we did 25 years ago, and reinvent that again as we move forward. You know, yesterday I had the privilege of doing an awesome West Side wedding. Beautiful. And you know, there's just something about, I just love how everybody does weddings today. You know, man, oh man, it's just, you know, Vince Roma, we're wedding over the summer. And I mean, the creativity. Do you know there's a new thing they do in weddings? You just invite the people you like. <laughs> Where was that when we got married? Well, we got 230 people that breathe. I don't know where they all went. And the creativity, the bride coming in down the stairs and photographers everywhere and the food and the, and yesterday was beautiful. And I look at every bride and groom. I just love how, when you see the uniqueness of how God brings people together and they're not in liminal space because they know exactly where they're going. I watched yesterday and they're just, it's just perfect. This is what it looks like. But the rest of us know down the road there's a little bit of liminal space coming. We're going to have 1.3 children. I don't know how that would even work. How does it work, 1.3, right? We know we're going to live here. We know we're going to view here. We know the deck is going to be here. We've got it all sorted out. Then suddenly, there's a rush of other things happening that completely change you. We had a family growing up in our church, and they came to my grandmother. And they said, you've got to pray. We can't have kids. So she prayed, and they had six children, and then they had to stop grandma from praying. I think there's more to that story, but we'll leave it there. This liminal space, we have to be comfortable and accept and appreciate and honor our history. Our history is amazing. What happened here when we were planted by such a gracious church in Elbow Drive, First Assembly, as they felt that this was a new thing, something different. We did things differently, creative sermons, an incredible music production group, a curling rink eventually, and coffee. Coffee in the house of God. We, were, we would have been taken out and something would have happened bad to us if we thought about coffee. We loved watching Westside, all of us from Ontario, us conservatives. What are they doing out there that they're not getting fired for that we can do? It's changed. If I came to you today and said, hey, here's where we're going in the next 25 years, we're going to do coffee inside the building, we're going to do amazing sermons, and we're going to have awesome worship, wouldn't even be a flinch. Like, is there anything new? Like, we've kind of been doing that. In fact, if you went to another church and they didn't do that, you'd say, okay, they, 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 they don't know what they're doing. Like, come on, we've got to get that rolling. But that's our history, but things have changed. We have a space that we are stuck in that we don't know where the church is going, but we know it's not going back. And Paul said this. He said, not that I've already obtained this. I have not arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of for me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have yet taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind 
and straining toward what is ahead. I press on towards the goal, the prize of which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. There's something about not knowing the answers, not having it all figured out, and being comfortable in liminal space. And I don't think this is just a reflection of us as the church. I believe this is many of you in your lives. When you think of the journey of a successful person in business that builds it, creates it, drives it, sells it, and retires, suddenly there's a disaster. You're 54, you're 58, you're 61, you're 70, and you've retired to what? Liminal space. Life's not over, it's only begun but you're in this moment. Sometimes there's relationships, relationship breaks down. There's children, there's plans that you have for your kids, but suddenly it's liminal space because what you thought they were going to do and what they are actually doing or can do, you don't know. It's the place that we have to become comfortable. The second thing that we cannot move away from but have to lean into is called reverse orthodoxy. Reverse orthodoxy. Paul says it this way, and now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. For those of you who've been around church a long time, let me explain to you kind of how it used to work. We were all about hope. Our music was all about hope. Hope of the second return of God pulling us out of the earth and getting us out of this mess. We were going to be gone. It was the hope. It was the hope for our sin. The beautiful message of Easter, which we so hold to, that my brokenness, my sinfulness, the mess that I'm in, there's, there's a hope to come out of this. And hope was great. And faith was strong because faith was the biggest deal. As long as we got the, the cards right, as long as we all agreed, as long as it all made sense, like a ticket through the door, it worked. So we had the hope all sorted out. And we had the faith all sorted out but we never got the love right. We never got it right. Because the love was always conditional. You do the right things, you show up at the right time, you marry the right person, your kids do the right things, and all of that lines up, you might get a little bit of love. But faith was such a big priority coming in the door, like a ticket. Check, 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 check. Your hair was a bit long, oop, questionable check mark there. Oop, can't, oop, 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 little too much makeup, oop, little, oop. Pants too tight, pants too baggy, whatever the style was, whatever you were doing stylish was generally going to take you off the list. But the hope of the church. But suddenly something has changed in what we call reverse orthodoxy. The, uh, a week ago, I was listening to, really gifted to be a part of the conference in town and a few of our speakers that came from other parts of the world and the, the superintendent from Sweden said this and it just so came alive. He said, could it be possible that we just have to change the order? And as he talked through culture, you could just see the room come alive to understand where love fits and how we walk through that. It's the new way of the church. It's the way of love. And, and I get it because, you know, one of the challenges is, as family, as friendships, like you know how it is when you look at your pals, your buddies, the people you love to hang around, the people you invite because you agree on most stuff. You like the same things. But it gets awkward when somebody doesn't like everything you like. I met somebody this week 
and a friend of my wife's and she was over and we were talking food and I was cooking and she was leaning over and smelling and bragging and telling me how, man, I let her taste that and taste that and, oh, I just wait. And then I, oh, here we go. This is one of those mutual cooking friendships. I'll give you a little of my recipes. You'll give me a bit of yours and the whole world will become a better place. And then it happened. I mentioned a recipe with goat cheese in it. And she almost ran out of the house. Oh, it smells like a petting zoo. Ugh. It's over. No, I'm not kidding. Like, it's over. I'm never going to give her anything. You, you can't cook with goat cheese. See you later. It's called Swiss Chalet. Drive through, pick it up, go on your way. Don't, don't even sell your stove. And, and, then, and then we had to get a new computer for my son for... I can hardly talk about it. I'm so devastated. We've been an Apple family for 20 years. And, and like, it's just the way it is. And the school, now we've got we to gotta buy a Surface. A Windows, pro, I think it's a Windows product. So my son, he's just, just so excited about it. And then it, he gets it. It's the greatest moment of his life. And I'm just, I'm devastated. I don't know how to turn it on. I can't put any blocks on it. I can't control it. I don't know where it is. I don't even know how to do it. Then he said the worst thing to me. He said, Dad, let's be honest. It's a better computer. I had to pull the car over. I, I had to pull the car. No, no don't. So this is, a, I, this is a mess. This is not over yet. So then I went to a counselor, David Harvey, and said, listen, you know technology better than anybody. And he said, well, Bobby, he's got a point. Oh, like it's just, we're in a dilemma here because we don't agree. And this is the, stu this is the struggle with the church. When we start on faith first, we all agree. And as long as we all agree, then you can be a part of the group. We're good. We're good. We're all going to be good. But when we shift to love, you got to let that stuff go. I'm in a pool this year taking a relax with the family. And how I ran into this lady, I don't know. But in about six minutes, she gives me her whole theology. I, was, I don't know if I have a something about me. I didn't tell her as a pastor. She just must have figured out. I don't know how we got on the topic, but she went into her, she must be waiting for years to find someone in a pool to preach to. And as she, and I'm working through some of these things and I thought, I just got to listen to her. And it was kind of cool. And actually she had some really good things to say. Now I would have started out is, I, I would have naturally started with, you're, you're a little bit out there for me. By the time we were done, after about an hour of on-off conversation throughout the pool, I said, do you practice this in any place? She says, oh, no, I don't go to church. I said, okay, well, there's the dumb thing. You need to come to my church and practice that. And I had her. She goes, she wanted to know where we were. She's going to come for a visit. I thought, okay, we start. Now, I don't know where it's going to land. I don't know if she thinks she's coming up here to preach, because that's going to be shut down pretty fast. <laughs> but we got her in with love, and we're going to help shape what God is doing in her soul. You see, this is, a, this is a very different way for us. It's interesting. I told you in the fall that I would have a little nugget for you as we look at moving forward. And uh, there's been something happening in Italy over the last 10 years. Italy has been very closed because of orthodoxy. There is really nothing going on. But there's a generation of young people that has been exploding in interest for the gospel. And through a couple of connections tomorrow, say the word tomorrow. 
tomorrow I will be finalizing the deal that we are working on to work with uh, our, our missions connection. And Westside are going to be, uh, tomorrow, are going to be the first in participating in an Italian church plant with a young couple. And it is absolutely, it's worth clapping about. I said a year ago, we have to make brave steps. I said it to the board, we have to do things differently. Coffee was the big deal and other things were the big deal 25 years ago. But God has been doing something here that's been significant. This is Vincenzo. Vincenzo was here in Calgary a few months ago with him and his pastor. And he has had a movement in high school that is unprecedented. But he's been using the Bible to work and leverage bullying, suicide, and uh, self-esteem and all the issues. And he's just surrounded. He's 30 years old. He's surrounded by kids. He's built this ministry, turning the ministry over. And him and his wife are going to be planting in a small community outside of Naples. Can you imagine for many of you that at least you're always telling me about the great food that you've eaten and learned how to cook over in Italy. Can you imagine on your next trip, say next, turn to your husband and say next. Yeah, doesn't that sound good? Can you imagine just swinging by and be a part of, of, of what's going on over here, something brand new? So we're just finalizing that tomorrow. It's going to be a process. It's happening faster than we thought. We were originally going to participate with some younger couples that are being trained. Vincenzo's coming out of the training, and Westside, in its appearance, will be the first church in Canada to be participated in the first church being planted in Italy. I, I'm just so excited about it. It's amazing. And you know me, I'm not a traveler. I'm not looking at my next ticket to go over and, uh, and, and be overseas. But if that's what it takes, that's what we do. I'm excited for being able to help their team and educate their team and David participating, our missions people participating. But the reason is, is because this is reverse orthodoxy. This is a generation that has said, we've rejected orthodoxy. We don't want to be a part of it because it makes no sense. But we're going to start with love first. We're going to use what God is doing. And then we're going to push them down the road of hope and then to faith. This is how the church has to go. Do you know, often we don't want to share our faith because we're nervous. We might not be able to answer the right question. We might say it the wrong way. But here's the good news. Do you know you can never do love wrong? Do you know that you can never do love wrong? Like no one is ever going to say, man, I can't believe the way you stopped by and you cared for me and you offered prayer and you dropped this off and you gave me a ride here and you offered this suggestion, you put this. No one will ever say that. But when we pave the way in love, it provides such an on-ramp in the way that God wants to work in the lives of people. The last point is this. We are looking in the future to something called a new Pentecostalism. It says, follow the way, Paul said, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. Now, when I say the word Pentecostalism, many of you, or a few of you, get nervous. The rest of you have no idea what I'm talking about. So that's where we're going to unpack this for a few moments and then we're done. For those of you who are nervous about the word Pentecostal, you have every right to be. The good news is, I have more right to be. So, we're in this together. I'm not speaking about a denomination. However, there are amazing things happening within our denomination. There is uh, theology and theologians, people like David and other people who have worked hard at their, their gift, who are gathering together to put a whole entire denomination in a healthier place, in healthier ways. That's amazing. What I'm talking about is when I use the phrase, the word Pentecostal, Pentecostalism, is what we see in the scriptures of the moving of God's spirit. There. That made it a whole lot easier for you. We can get through it. 
It's what happened years ago in our history when somebody had faith and belief and saw things happening. First Assembly on Elbow Drive has planted uh, all of our churches, the majority of our Pentecost churches in the city. And yet God is doing something very new and very fresh, very different amongst our churches. In Alberta, as far as Pentecostal churches, we only have eight that are over the size of 500. So it's a small group of medium and larger churches and a lot of smaller churches. But I want to say it to you this way as we unpack this, not as we unpack it lightly today and in greater ways over the next year. That the next 25 years, we can directly correlate in whatever way we measure success. More people, better disciples, things that God has done, different land, different buildings, all of the things that we could imagine that God could do will be directly related to the moving of God's spirit in our own personal desire. That's it. We, we do nothing going forward because we choose not to desire. But we choose to desire and we will see unprecedented things unlike we've ever seen out of our past. I think some of our storyline is absolutely incredible. I think our property story, I think the way God has carried us through some of the bumps on the road, the way that God has brought leadership to us are just incredible, significant pieces. But it will be very different moving forward because of what God is doing by his spirit. Paul says in 15, and, and this is where I think we get, in our history, can, can get so off track. We always believe it's one or the other. It's either spirit-living people or non-spirit-living people. And Paul says a little bit of uh, reason why this is important. He says, listen, he said, as I push forward in my actions with this work of the Holy Spirit, Paul says it this way, I pray with the mind and I also pray with the spirit. I sing with my mind and I also sing with the Spirit. I can tell you this, that we'll be moving forward into what God wants because of an incredible atmospheres of worship, incredible teaching, and incredible moments of prayer. Yet it won't be like we thought it was going to be. It will be something different that God is leading us in. As a leadership team, this is what I'm going to be asking of the staff on Tuesday. Desire the gifts. As a board, I am asking this of our board, our leaders, desire the gifts. And as we close today, in a few moments, I'm going to be asking the same of you. That we would desire the gifts. In our meeting on Thursday, as the board gathered together, it was just incredible how that over some summer reading, God has clearly spoken to the entire team. Not one, not two, the entire team. I believe when God's up to things, everybody gets a part of it. This, this um, exclusive God only, me only is completely not biblical. That's not the kind of God we serve. He shares. It's, it's confirmed. It's multiple layers of people feeling it. And I love this when we talked about strategic plan. What, as John Pelow says, what strategic plan would ever have dared the Israelites out of Egypt only to corner, be cornered against the sea? What strategic plan would have ever conceived the conquering of Jericho as God intended it to be conquered? What strategic plan would have brought salvation to the world through a peasant born in a cave where most people thought that time was in a backwater area, no country? Paul says, strive for the gifts. Hey, what are the gifts? Just unpacking it lightly, just so you can be reminded. For some of you have heard a long time ago. For others, you've never heard it before. He says this, the word of knowledge. What we get every Sunday morning that, that we all, and again, I'm at the front line. We take it for granted. But what we get Sunday morning, it's the word of knowledge. 
The word of knowledge is when somebody, a teacher gift, comes up and unpacks. We all know it. We go home, grab our Bibles, blow the dust off, start researching. Where did that guy come from the Bible? Where's the, the, where, where is that from? The Easter story, a guy standing naked. Where, where did David find that? I've never heard that story before. Where is this? Where is that? Because that's what the teacher gift in the word of knowledge. He unpacks biblical wisdom. I can't even sneeze an idea to him and he's already got the text in front of me. That's a gift. Paul says, seek that gift. And there are other teachers, as you are noticing, David is building a team of teachers and teaching voices for us at Westside to make us stronger. Words of wisdom. The ability to take biblical wisdom and plant it right into our daily lives. That's the gift of wisdom. And the one that is so difficult that's going to make all of you nervous, but we got to stop being afraid of it. The gift of healing. It's been complicated for years. But I'll tell you, when you're here today and you're feeling good and you don't have an ache or an itch, you don't care. But when you get a doctor's appointment and you got a lump or a bump or a blood test, you need to start thinking about the gift of healing. And I don't know how it works because I've seen how it doesn't work and I've seen it being ignored, but we can no longer ignore it because Paul says these are the gifts that edify the church. But I am confident that when we dive into any topic here, we will understand it the way God wanted us to see it. The gift of faith. That's the gift of our history. Someone said we could build a building. Someone said we can parcel up some land. And here we are today, blessed to have what we have. Paid for, 18 acres. As they continue doing construction, the price of the property goes up. God has richly blessed us because someone had a gift of faith. And Paul says prophecy Spoken messages, encouragement, correction, comfort, inspiration, all of these things are part of what God wants to see unfolded for us. So much more to be said. But Paul said love, the gift of love is so significant in what we're doing, but, but, desire the gifts. The last part of that story in Paul is the part that is triggered for me that I find very confusing. There was other churches that deserve it. Ephesus, Philippi. They're the ones that should be desiring the gift. They're the ones that could be trusted. And the minute I read that and asked David to help me understand it, it makes sense for us. Because we're a mess. We don't have it figured out. We're still asking hard questions. We are not polished. We are broken. And we are brave enough to walk through the broken, mucky mess. And this is, this is Corinth. This is the one they're still trying to figure out. And this is the one that Paul said, you, Corinth, desire the spiritual gifts. Because that's what's going to change us. That's what's going to take us to the years ahead that we do not yet see and we do not understand. You guys know I do funerals and I'm done with this. I like to be a part of wherever I can get my storyline in when people who do not do church are Jesus. Just a few months ago, just before uh, summer got a little bit busy, I get a phone call. It's Donnie. Donnie's 80 years old. Donnie doesn't do Jesus and Donnie would not be allowed in a church. As he said, I'll never be allowed in a church. He called me, yelled at me on the phone. You're doing my sister's funeral at your church. Didn't even care about the booking or the process or how we do things. You're just doing my sister's funeral. 45 people in that bistro. Beautiful service. Heather just out of the park. We got it all done. And I was ready to go home. It's Saturday. I got to go home. I got stuff to do. 
And when we were done and I said, amen, he jumped out of his chair. He said, now that we're here, pray for my daughter. She's in hospice and she's only got weeks to live. You don't end a funeral by a prayer request when you're not a Christian and you don't belong to a church. But Donnie does. Man, I did not. I mean, I knew what to do, but I was so shocked. And I said, well, I guess we're all here as family. Why don't we? And we turned that into in your bistro right there just a few months ago. Here's what I know. When God tweaks Donnie to break the rules and say, I want your church to do a significant thing for our family. And I want you, I want you to pray right now. That's the spirit of God moving. Desire the gifts of the spirit. Desire all of them, but mostly prophesy. Now I want to tell you, now that we're done, we're going to sing a great song after I pray. And then we're going to have an awesome afternoon. You're going to have a great day uh, looking for the sun and seeing what else you've got to get done in your list. I'm scared. I'm actually terrified. Because I grew up in it and I saw the garbage. I saw the junk. I saw the falseness. But there is not another way. We won't last 25 more years. There will not be a 25 or a 50 year celebration if we don't understand liminal space and that we aren't going to see it all, but we're going to have faith to walk forward. And if we don't understand love on the front end and we allow the love of God to lead us into conversations because we're, we're trying to answer questions that no one's asking. But if we get in their lives and start with love and let God do the rest of it, you won't be able to hold them in this building. But if we, if I would, and if David would, and if Heather would, and if our team would desire the gifts, even when we're scared of what it looks like, first, if our board would desire the gifts first, and if you, unknowing what it's gonna look like, would desire the gifts first, our next 25 years will be beyond our imagination. I'm going to ask you to stand and I'm going to pray. Jesus, today we know that you are leading us. We know that you have been speaking to us and we are listening. God, you've changed us over the last year. There has been so many more pockets of leadership that are just pushing and growing. And this message has been stirring and we've been waiting and waiting and waiting until today. God, it is with bravery, anticipation and faith that we are asking for a church that are new to understanding the things that you are wanting to do for us, that you would do that. God, we pray that in spite of our own fears, our past judgments, the things that we are nervous about, that you would move in spite of that. God, we pray for the blessing of God. We aren't going to plant church or churches in Italy and other areas without the resources that only you can bring. I pray for those that are stepping into new work or praying for new work or businesses that are thriving that more would come for the purposes of your kingdom. God, I pray that this would be the year that the resources for all that you were calling us to do would flow in that we could not even imagine, that you would shift us to understand 
where things need to go and how that's going to take place. God, I pray for those who are in liminal space in their marriage, liminal space with their kids. They are stuck in the middle. But I pray for no fear, but they would understand that as they see dimly, that they'll look towards where you are taking them and trust you, even though they can't picture it nor understand it. God, I pray as we work together in community with our kids, that if we at times don't even understand our own kids, that you will speak to others that will have a word of direction over our own children to bring encouragement, correction, and love. God, you have so much planned for us. That's why your grace was so great for our past. And now we push forward. Thank you for all that you're doing. God, we are going to get out of the way and we are going to stay out of the way so that you can do what you've always dreamed of doing. We ask you for this in your awesome name.